This is The Playbook. Let's dive into this. You created five daily practices, and uh, let's kick it off with number one. It's kind of a framework that we're going to be able to use. And the first one on here is uh, know your what. Break this down, or maybe give us the big high-level vision of how this can help us get more done. Yeah, well, first of all, notice their daily practices. I have a philosophy about two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. I think a lot of people live in the extra mile. The extra mile is overrated. People live in the extra mile and they're like, oh, you know, I stayed up till two in the morning on Saturday doing this project. And what they do is they use that extra mile when they went the extra mile every once in a while to justify why they're not where they wanna be. Instead of going to what I call the empty mile by using five daily practices, to enjoy the consistent everyday daily practices, persistent without quit pursuit of their own potential. So the idea of the daily practices is not only I'm going to do everything today. I'm going to do, say, think, believe, and feel everything today in a trajectory of what I think I want. Notice the radical humility that I don't really know what I want, but I'm going to aim to something really big. But in that trajectory, I'm gonna do everything I can because most people have a problem reconciling two things, persistence and patience. They'll tell me all the time, what do you mean detached from the outcome? How can you have any goals? You no, no, trust me, I got goals every day. But my daily practices are like a pit bull in a china shop. I mean, I hold on to a tire, you can't get away from me, but I'm patient about the outcomes in the future because it's just a trajectory. And there's one nuance before we get into the five daily practices, especially of knowing our what, is that a lot of people don't consider the past. You see, one of the aspects that I do about my daily practices is I make sure the meaning of my past, the defining moments, the inflection points, the mistakes, the setbacks and failures that occurs in everyone's life. And believe me, I lost over $100 million, went bankrupt. Right, I had everything. When I ran Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment, the most notable sports agency in the world, not only was I a multimillionaire, but I had access to what billionaires couldn't even afford. And I gave the meaning to my bankruptcy 15 years ago, one of protection and promotion, not punishment, which allows me to utilize the daily practices in a trajectory of what I think I want without interfering or limiting myself by my past. So many people beat themselves up. I had one lady one time, I was in France speaking, and she said, well, you know about the French-American war, don't you? And I'm like, you're going to let the French-American war get in the way of your future? You're killing me. So the first step of knowing your what makes the nothingness that most people live in, they live as tubes, not YouTubes, but tubes, food in, food out, right? Rolling a boulder to the top of the hill just to have it at the bottom the next day. Because why? They live in a world of nothingness. And you can change the mathematical equation by knowing your what, because the minute you know what you want personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise today, in the trajectory of what you think you want in the future, your nothingness, your tube, becomes a possibility, a mathematical advantage. So the first step is to take a few moments every day and say, what is it I want today? Personally, health, family, finance, experientially jumping out of a plane, going to uh, you know your studio, filming a TV show, whatever experiences you want, giving wise, which is so important to me, how can I be so productive? 
right? To be able to give as much value as I can to everyone, which is what you do. I just had one of my young associates working here compliment you for how much you've changed or impact their life. That's giving every day. It's on your what. And then of course, the one that everyone doesn't uh, utilize well enough, which is receiving. So many people, good, good people, and I was one of them, we, we felt guilty receiving. And I changed the paradigm. No more giving to receive. I receive so I can give more. The more money I have, the more good I can do. And it's a complete paradigm shift. So knowing your what takes nothingness and making it a possibility and you do it every day. So whatever amount of time you spend, it's aggregating, accelerating, and compounding by doing it every day, living in the empty mile. So are you waking up and doing this first thing and journaling this? Correct. So what I do is very quick. I, I meditate every morning. I always say my tomorrow starts today. So I have an unwinding routine that puts my body, mind, and soul in a position of access and recovery. So I wake up and I meditate first to get clarity, to gather the information from my sleep when my conscious isn't interfering with ego. And I just gather this data. And then what I do is I just quickly chart out those four buckets, personal, experiential, giving, receiving, but I always have an arrow. So if I have you know, a personal goal, for example, I do a minimum of an hour a day uh, on my health. And I have an arrow that shows the number 111 plus. Why? Because in the trajectory of what I think I want today, now I'm not sure of it because there could be some nuclear holocaust and I could change my mind about my trajectory. But today when I woke up, my mission is to live to over 111 years old. I was born on January 11th of 111. So I make my mission, my trajectory of living over. So today I'm going to make sure I give a minimum of an hour on my health because aggregated accelerated, that's going to give me the most statistical success of getting that mission. So I have those things each day and it's reconciling with the later steps as well as, as we'll get to. Awesome. And so, so you open start out the day, you're listening to this, you pull out a piece of paper, a journal, you're defining personal, do what are your plans for the future? What, are, what do you want for your character, your love, your integrity? Uh, what do you want to learn today? What can you do to maximize an experience, uh, get the most out of these 24 hours? What do you want to give to others today? What do you want to receive today? And you're answering these questions. You're writing down a few thoughts. Do you use a physical journal or are you digital? So I do both because remember, I have a, even in branding a stage theory, which we'll probably get to later on in the interview, but I believe what you do in the physical then becomes digital. So if I put a billboard up on the street, I'm making sure that I capture the physical Modif so it's modifiable, amplifiable, and perpetuated. And so it's very important, I think, for everyone to start with physical because why not get two bangs for the buck? Yeah, I like it. Okay, so then you're, you're, you're doing this daily practice. Know your what. Number two is know your who. What is this one all about? So in order to take our possibilities of what we want and make it a probability, another mathematical advantage for the day, which aggregates, accelerates, and compounds for the future, I ask myself, okay, here's what I want today in that trajectory. Who can I help with it? Because I know how much value and how things work in the universe that if I utilize my intention to help others, that I will receive a value add in my life, not a zero sum. But secondly, the most overlooked is not who I can help because I am truly under the perspective that 99 0.9% of the people on earth want to do good and want to help each other. They want to give. 
Once again, the other part of who is who can help me. So many people don't realize that radical humility lies in your ability to, to find people who sit in a situation that you wanna be in and ask for help. It's the fastest way to get to where you wanna be is to find someone that's already there and ask them for directions. Right, when I came to the studio, I didn't just guess how to get here, right? I found the greatest source and asked it for directions on how to get here. And so many people miss out on this. So if you know what you want and then who can help you and who you can help, it takes your possibility and gives it another mathematical leap of a probability. So what would you say to someone that then identifies someone they wanna learn from or collaborate with or connect with but is afraid to reach out or just assumes that they're, these people are too busy, like they can't get their attention. Why would that person say yes to me? You have tips for connecting with people that can you know, get you where you wanna go? It's a habit. So any habit is formed by practice. Lower the bar. Tell yourself today, I'm gonna ask one person in person, one person on the phone, one person via email, and one person via social media. Just one person a day. You're gonna start practicing, and instead of creating interference, void shortages and obstacles, instead of looking for what you don't want, instead of creating more resistance, all of a sudden by lowering the bar, not only will you get in the habit of asking for help, but you'll get reassurance and confirmation that everybody wants to help you, that instead of living in the zero sum game, that if I ask for help, that person's losing and I'm winning, instead, put it into the paradigm shift that when someone asks me for help, when I'm able to help someone, I feel at my best, my higher self. I never feel better than when people ask me for help and I can help them. Why not give that opportunity to someone else? Also, mathematically, think about this. If you have four asks a day, which doesn't take very much time, yeah. especially because of technology today. If you have four asks a day, that's 28 asks a week. That's 112 asks on average a month. Imagine if 10% of the people say yes and 90% say no. Most people would be discouraged by those numbers, not me, because at 112 people a month, on average, you have 11 people that are helping you a month. Yeah. Do you know what exponential results you will get by finding people who sit in the situation you want and 11 people are giving you directions? Most people have zero. Imagine why I got to where I got to twice in my life because not only am I giving and being of value and service to people, but more importantly, I am a student of habits of asking for help. People ask me, what would you do and tell your 18-year-old self? Ask for help. <laughs> That's literally the best piece of advice I can give you. That's so powerful. And I mean, it's a big one for content creators. You're in media as well. You've interviewed celebrities. Um, you've connected with really high-level people, and I know a lot listening to this might, again, what do you think about that imposter syndrome, or maybe the fact, too, that, I mean, if you don't have a platform yet, how do you reach out to someone that's further than you? Do you gotta build up that authority first? You know, what is your thoughts for really actually maybe accessing next-level podcast guests that seems just absolutely impossible? Yeah, so I know that part of the advantage that I had, and I've done 1,400, uh, podcasts, right? Yeah. Playbooks. And I have TV shows and all the, because I ran the most notable sports agency, I had those relationships. But I also have people who ask me not only for help, hey, will you come on my show? But they ask me, can you introduce me to the people that I know? And sometimes they're not ready yet. And I explain to them, hey, 
if I got you Ed Milet, who's a close friend of mine, or you know Tom Billu, or some of the guys, it's not going to do you any good right now because you don't have a million subscribers. And you know, but there is opportunity within the context of people wanting to help people. And so as you build up and get better, I, when I coach people on content, I always tell them I need 10 episodes in the can before we post anything for two reasons. One, it puts you in the top 1% because most people quit before they get to 10 episodes of anything. And on the other, it allows you to practice because what happens is being kind to your future self. One of the superpowers is not just that I knew all these people. It's that when I went on Tom Bilyeu's impact theory or met Ed Milet, guys that aren't sports athletes, that I was well versed in practice like you. You're an exceptional interviewer. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go tell all my famous friends, you know, whether you want them or not, hey, this guy is amazing. He's, I came in on time, prepared, unbelievable questions, super intelligence, and he has a following. That's the last thing I'll say. Because I have people that want me to interview them now just because I'm a great interviewer. And people want to interview me because I bring quality, productive value when I'm being interviewed. And that's the biggest key to have them focus in on that. The audience grows. Think about this. When I met Gary V, I didn't even know what a Gary V was. I knew his brother because I was helping with the sports agency that he wanted to create. It was Super Bowl time. AJ, his brother, said, hey, you... So someone said, oh, Gary V's here. And AJ pinked up like, what's a Gary V? And AJ laughed. He goes, that's my brother. I'm like, oh, what does he do? And he's like, Dave, you don't know my brother? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. He's all, he's an Instagram king. He's the, I said, wow. He, I said, let me help him with the sports agency. He's all, yeah, sit down with him. Gary tells me, you got to change. I had a radio show across the country. He said, you, you got to make it a podcast. I'm like, there's 200,000 podcasts, Gary. Why would I do that? And he convinced me why. And he said to me, Dave, what's your objective? I said, same as it was with the radio show, two people. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I will invest money in the podcast if I can get two people by the end of the year that will tell two people, you have to listen to David Meltzer that will get two more people a year. Why? Because I was 50 years old and I told Gary, if I can get two people a year, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, so it shouldn't be intimidating for anyone starting today. But if you can get two people a year, if you can rehearse enough, practice enough, two people a year that will get you two people a year, and those two people as well, by the time I'm 70, I'll have two million people getting me two million people a year. Wow. And that will change lives. Man, what an insight and unlock thing about the compound effect and patience um, and so many nuggets in there. So number one was know your what, number two is know your who. So then thirdly, as we're doing these daily practices, we're boosting our productivity, we're getting fierce clarity, know your how, break this down. Well, I have a tool to know your how, and it's called be a student of the calendar. I don't say look at your calendar. I don't say glance at your calendar. I don't say fill out your calendar. I say be a student of your calendar because students they manifest or manufacture the mathematical equation to luck. What do I mean by that? What does a student do in the how? A student studies, they pay attention to, with lenses of productivity, you mentioned that, you picked up on that, but also lenses of accessibility. How accessible am I to others and how am I accessing what I want? And a lens which I'm known for with my brand, my essence, my authenticity, 
And all those AU words, by the way, in the English language, the AU, the root, the Latin root means feeling, by the way. Just let that sink in. So productivity, accessibility, and of course, gratitude. I'm constantly looking, how can I find the light, the love, and the lessons in my activities today in a trajectory towards the future? See, if you know your how, it takes the possibility or the probability. Now it creates something that's so powerful, your perspective. And most people don't realize it, but your life is about your participation in your perspective. It's about the activities that you have to be efficient, effective, and statistically successful. And to use the mathematical equation of being a student, what you pay attention to and what you give intention to by your calendar, this is what I'm gonna do today, say today, think today, believe today, and feel today in the trajectory of where I wanna be to be over 111 years old or double the amount of money I can make as fast as I can or help over a billion people. Whatever your trajectory is, that can change tomorrow. You then have the mathematical equation that I'm looking for. What you pay attention to and what you give intention to equals the coincidences in your life. So powerful. And you're defining know your how. You have a tool called the Eisenhower Matrix. So this is defining your tax, tasks in a day. So this is how you're going to get to your what. And you're going to define tasks as important and urgent or important and not urgent or urgent and not important or not urgent and not important. So kind of four buckets. And so you can prioritize what's going to be the biggest needle mover. Absolutely. So importance is self-defined. What's important to me is not important to you. And that's okay. In fact, most people get into the problem is they try to make what's important, what's important to other people, and then they end up with other people want. And then not only do they end up unhappy, but resentful of the people that care the most about them. Or they end up thinking what's important to other people is what they don't want, and they end up with what they don't want. So importance and urgency are, are related but urgency is a subset. It's not the priority in your activities. See, there's different types of activities. Activities you have planned and activities you don't have planned and your sleep. There's activity you get paid for and activity you don't get paid for. See, I value money. I wanna make as much money as I can to help as many people as I can to have as much fun as I can. I live in the real world and it takes money to help people and it takes money to have fun. So I want to have as much as I can. And so that's a priority. That's important to me. And I don't allow urgency to get in the way of the activity I get paid for. I'm constantly looking how I can have activity. I, get. I love this and I get paid for this. Yeah. I love this. You love this. You get paid for this. Yeah. We figured out a way in order to monetize helping people. Yeah. What a great thing. And then we use that money to help more people. It's awesome. So I want people to think about what's important to me and decipher urgency as a subset. So I'm going to do what's urgent and important first, then what's important, then what's urgent, then what's not important and not urgent. Yeah. And in order to do that, that leads me to that fourth step. Yeah. And the fourth step is uh, know your now. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually enhanced that a little bit uh, recently. I say know your now and know your next, right? Think about this. If you know what to do now because you know what's important and urgent, et cetera, from the what, the who, and the how, then your perception becomes your reality when you do it now. 100% of the things you do now get done. But even more importantly, if you know what's important to you, you'll know what to do now and know what to do next. So when God laughs at you with your well-developed plan of how, you'll know exactly what to do now. 
and you'll know what to do next. If you know what to do now and next, it's the antidote to the two biggest problems of entrepreneurs, procrastination and overwhelmed. These are the two biggest problems of entrepreneurs. And guess what solves it? Knowing your now. It is impossible to procrastinate if you know what to do now and know what to do next. And it's impossible to feel overwhelmed if you know what to do now and know what to do next. So I use that as the antidote to take the possibility to probability, probability to perspective, and make my perspective my reality by the materialization of the actual execution of knowing what to do now because 100% of the things I do now get done and if I know what to do next, my now becomes next and vice versa. It's an amazing productivity, accessibility, and gratitude tool. So is this framework also stacking? Because I think at the end of the day, uh, content creators, entrepreneurs, they know that until you make a video, until you actually land that collab and actually film the thing, until you actually edit it and post it, <laughs> until you actually do the real work, but sometimes, it, exactly what you said, you're either overwhelmed so you're paralyzed, you don't know what to do next, you're just overwhelmed with all the options, so you do nothing, uh, or you procrastinate, I mean, is the framework stacking so that we're in a more empowered state by the time we reach our now? Or what is your advice for those that actually just feel like they get into a slog of not necessarily just eating the frog, doing yeah. the hard work, wasting time? Yeah. So it, it is a matter of alignment and adjustment and then taking action and preparing for adjustment. So I have a triple A strategy. I'm going to get alignment through the daily practices, right? I know my what, we get alignment, then we take action, right? After we have the alignment of the what and the who, we take action in the how, in the now, and then I'm preparing for adjustment. Uh, see, one of the things about that overwhelmed feeling that you're talking about is a mindset between, once again, scarcity of a zero sum game and abundance of a value add world. And so those people that feel overwhelmed should say to themselves, I'm so blessed. I have more than enough. I have more than enough options, opportunities, and touches of favor. But I know one thing. I can only do one thing at a time, right? I can only focus in on one thing at a time. This, this is like biochemical truth. You can only focus in on one thing at a time. Therefore, if I know my now and I know my next, I'm going to be most efficient, effective, and statistically successful. And I'll be able to detach my emotions from the outcome which leads us to the step number five of the daily practices. So I think you're listening to this, you can already imagine starting your day, not just scrolling on your phone, you got some memes, some bad news hitting you, not just doing nothing, let your mind wander, but putting a real focused, intentional practice, five daily practices, stacking these, journaling these, and even as you're listening to this, it's a good time to start. Uh, but number five is ultimately apply your why. Break this down. This is the major shift in my life. I spent all of that time early on in my career worth over $100 million before I went bankrupt searching for more. I wanted to be more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, more worthy. And I never had enough because there's always more. Once I realized how to apply my why instead of search for my why. How many entrepreneurs, for example, tell you I'm looking for my passion, I'm looking for my why? And I tell them all the time, it's already there. Now, in a non-religious, philosophical, theoretical, or spiritual sense, I have a core base philosophy in my head that there's something bigger than me. 
an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves me more than my mom. So just as when I was three years old and went to reach a stove and my mom slapped my hand and screamed no at me and I started to cry saying, why are you punishing me? What did I do? And she hugged me and said, I love you. I'm protecting you. You just don't know that's going to burn you. That's the basis of applying my why is that my mom doesn't know what she doesn't know. Now she knows the stove's going to burn me, but she didn't know the internet wasn't going to be a fad. So when I got out of law school and she told me, be a real lawyer, don't go in the internet, she was trying to protect me when she told me to be a real lawyer. That was bad advice, by the way. Yeah. Just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. But for me, I look at my life and say, I'm applying my why. So what do I do? I go ahead and say I'm being protected and potent. So if I don't get the job, I don't get followers, my video bombs, I'm just being protected and promoted, not punished. And so what I do is spend my life in a reverse paradigm shift of I am. I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? And that fear is F-E-A-R, not F-E-R. Interfere with it. So the practice of applying your why is to identify the two fears in everyone's life. Fear of the past and fear of the future. Fear of the past manifests itself in regret and guilt mostly, and fear of the future results in worrying anxiety. And they have subcategories, which I later on identify and practice. But if you go ahead and practice, instead of trying to get more, identifying what you're doing to interfere with it by saying, oh, I feel guilty. And instead of trying to outlogic it, resist it, oversell it, back and sell it, lie, manipulate, or cheat it, simply stop, breathe, remind, remember, and recollect. What do I want? Who can I help? Who can help me? How to get it done? And reprioritize my now and next. Now I'm applying my why instead of in search for something I already have. So in other words, when you identify the two fears of the past or the future, know that your mind, your body and soul are on fire. When you're on fire, stop, drop and roll back into the trajectory of what you think you want. And so it is, is it your belief that why is the driving force? Um, it's that the why that's going to empower clarifying what is it you're doing, how are you going to get there, um, what do you need to do most, what are your priorities, but then why are you doing it all? Is that the idea here? Think of the definition of inspiration in spirit. If you're inspired, those people know their why. What is that in spirit? Yeah. Well, I know that I'm part and parcel to an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves me more than my mom. Therefore, if I clear the interference between me and that, then I'm going to be inspired or be with my, my, my why or apply my why. Most people, I'm 55 years old. They can't keep up with me. They're like, how do you have so much energy? It's four in the morning. You know, my kids drive them crazy. Well, I'm like, you understand that we both have the same amount of energy. I just have figured out how to not interfere with what I've already been given, my inspiration. Wow. And what would you say to somebody who when they, you have a ton of clarity. You've, gal you've clarified with language, um, your beliefs, your driving force. They might look at something like Think Media, we've developed our vision, developed our mission. But sometimes you're sitting in a place where someone's like, have an inspirational why, but you made us kind of feel like a blank slate. Do you recommend a practice for someone to uncover? Like sometimes we'll encourage people, you should have a bigger mission around your YouTube channel. And they're like, it's just kind of a hobby. What do you mean bigger mission? Like. How do you dig deeper to find greater dimensions of why? 
This is a beautiful question. And a guy named Bob Parsons uh, changed my perspective recently about it. Bob Parsons, the founder of GoDaddy, exited for over $4 billion. And I talk about learning to love what you do, right? Don't just think that you, you're gonna find something you love to do, right? I learned to love what I do by finding the light, the love, and the lessons, by enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of whatever potential it is for me. I played Division Three football, and I you know, joke around, and I say that I was an average Division Three football player. I was probably below average, but there was no activity that I ever enjoyed the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential of. Right? I, I just, I love, it changed my whole life and I learned more from it. And this is what Bob Parsons said. And I want everyone to think about it because if you know your what, your who, and your how, and you know your now, you can apply this why, regardless of its, you know, having a million subscribers on YouTube. If you learn to love what you do, not only will you not work a day in your life, but even more importantly, if you learn to love what you do, it will tell you all its secrets. And those secrets make the difference. You know so many more secrets than I know about YouTube. Why? Because I started by fo focusing in on Instagram and LinkedIn because I felt as if that was an audience that I best could align with in my mission to empower over a billion people to be happy. And then slowly but surely, I'm one of the few people, I met with uh, Evan Carmichael, pretty big YouTube guy, right? And he's like, Dave, you have 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. I'm like, really? I go, I've never even done anything but post like almost unedited videos. Yeah. He goes, that is remarkable. So now I have shifted my paradigm and focus and part of the reason I'm here, right? I wanna learn from you because I think if I pay attention and give intention to my YouTube, that I can grow to have a million subscribers and empower more people aligned with my mission. And so it's so important for people to, and I'm gonna learn to love YouTube. That's what I'm going to do now. And it's going to tell me the secrets that you know that give you the exponentiality of success within YouTube the way that I have it on TikTok or Instagram or LinkedIn. So it's so powerful. You broke down these five practices. This is going to give us fierce clarity. And once we have that, we can attack our day every day, daily practices. Um, and especially for the, the goal of podcast listeners here so that we can make a greater impact with our content. So let's kind of switch gears and, and talk a little bit about content. Um, I know you've got some powerful things on how to create unstoppable confidence um, as, and it could be intimidating to get on camera if we haven't yet or maybe even tapped into our voice. So we'll get into some tips and your tips for content creation in general, but we're gonna kind of hit a lightning round right in the middle here. Um, I'm curious, why is it that you create content? To empower others, to empower others. That it's really simple. I capture everything, my essence, to empower people, to empower other people to be happy. I have paid a shitload of dummy tax and I want people not to have to pay the most expensive tax there is. Forget California taxes, it is dummy tax, yeah. right? I lost over $100 million. I had the wrong vision of what it was to be happy. I can teach people to teach people how to make a lot of money in abundance, help a lot of people in abundance, and have a lot of fun in abundance. And I've never met one person who makes a lot of money in abundance, helps a lot of people in abundance, and has a lot of fun in abundance every day that isn't super happy. Yeah. Um, very specific question. YouTube TV's CEO confirms that they're getting the NFL Sunday ticket. What do you think about this? Genius. I, I've been in this. This is my core competency, right? Sports executive, technology, media. And 
I feel sorry for DirecTV. When August comes, there's going to be a huge problem for DirecTV because all TV has been based off of bug lights, right? And you have one Super Bowl and then all your other programming, you advertise around the Super Bowl. DirecTV's bug light is Sunday Ticket and YouTube stole it and they got a bargain. Trust me. It's the number one sport in America, two to one for everyone, women, men, children. And they just got the biggest bug light to YouTube and it's gonna generate so many eyeballs to see all the other extraordinary value of YouTube, which is, by the way, part of the reason why I now am going to learn to love YouTube the way that I did Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Yeah, so what do you think about the state and the kind of platform war, obviously meta, Instagram and Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Obviously, they all want eyeballs. They all want users. What is your personal prediction as it pertains to YouTube's dominance or those that are a threat to YouTube? YouTube's dominance will, in its form, be the leader. Now, remember, TikTok's a completely different animal. I don't think they compete with YouTube. I don't think people go to YouTube for the same reason they go to TikTok. And what I do know is YouTube is going to take an exponential leap in the form of education, information, direction, and entertainment. And I think it's more competing with Netflix, Amazon Prime, and some other content providers for long form content. Yeah. You're gonna see huge viewership and billions of people on YouTube that were never there before. And people like you and I are gonna benefit exponentially. Well, um, what is your thought of short form versus long form video? You create both. So vertical is everywhere, Instagram reels, TikTok, YouTube shorts. You do a lot of long form, you do these interviews, you've interviewed thousands. <laughs> so, so when you're coaching others on content creation, do you recommend a mix? What's your thinking about short form versus long form? Everything. I believe in the content game that you need to know, number one, your essence. So you need to know, and how I define essence to people is your skills, your knowledge of who and what. That's why I have so many interviews of other people and you do too. And then also uh, your skills, your knowledge, and your desire. Your frequency is your desire. And people, they fall into categories, right? 10% of the people are gonna love you no matter what, 10% are gonna hate you no matter what. And then through consistent, persistent posting and form, you're gonna capture more and more of the 80% in the middle that just needs some education and some alignment. People grow on people. They get familiar and comfortable with it. But you'll never get the 10% that hate you. So you just gotta let that be and let them attack you, it's fine. You know, someone said I stole gratitude from Gary Vee. I was like, how's that possible? I'm older than he is and my mom taught me when I was three, gratitude, so I had it first. Yeah. He didn't steal it from me, I didn't steal it from him anyway. Uh, when we're looking at that though, if you know your essence, now you capture your essence in its natural form and most of its longer form. Then from that, you can modify it to the different alignment with you know, Instagram Reels, Facebook fan pages, TikTok, LinkedIn. A lot of people don't understand LinkedIn has a different format, right? I can transcribe what I do into a blog that is well-suited for LinkedIn from a long-form video that I'm just posting on YouTube. And so I believe that you start with your essence, 
you capture the essence, you modify it to fit the platforms, then you amplify it through this type of interaction and collaborations and other things that we do. And the one thing that YouTube has better than anyone is perpetuation. So when I did my TED Talk and I wasn't at all involved in YouTube, I was the top TED Talk, got the most new viewers from my TED Talk speech, and it was like 550, because I didn't have a YouTube, right? But it was the most. Well, that thing gets like millions of views today. Why? Because it's perpetual. Because when someone goes down the David Meltzer rabbit hole, like they go down your rabbit hole, all that stuff is perpetuated and they keep going like the young lady that I told you that watched Bob Proctor every day. Bob Proctor is dead. Yeah. His stuff is there forever. Yeah, that's powerful. We, we use the term evergreen. I grew up in Seattle. Right, evergreen, exactly, yep. Yeah, and building up a body of work, building up a body of influence. One more kind of lightning question. There's a lot of people thinking that um, and making videos um, and kind of maybe perpetuating fear, maybe the fear is justified, that AI is gonna change everything. Uh, what is your thinking about AI? Are you embracing it? Are you on the chat GPT train? What is happening in your companies and your business? So I've been in technology since 1992 when my mom told me the internet was a fad and nine months later I bought her house and a car, yeah. right? So web one's still here and people told me the same thing about web one, web two, web 2.5 and web three. Uh, I will tell you this about technology. The biggest lesson that I can teach people and why I embrace AI, why I embrace AI, why I use all aspects of technology is it's my servant. Too many people think it's his master, it's its leader. ChatGPT can't lead you. It's a great servant. It's an enhanced encyclopedia. It's an incredible starting point. And you know, for me, I could spend years to create a script about my life. Right, or I could start at you know uh, baseline ten instead of baseline one and save ten years, and just say, hey, Chat GPT, write a script about Dave Meltzer's life from the time he was five years old until he lost over a hundred million dollars, and then I'd have all this great data about my own life that I can't even remember, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's in, in format, yeah. in format. Yeah. So it's a great servant, you know, genie, get me this. But Jeannie's not leading you. You can't wish for more wishes. Right. So I want people to embrace technology as a servant and you be the leader. Uh, so powerful. Now, one of the things when it comes to creating content is people say, okay, YouTube is perpetual. Uh, vertical video spreading across the internet. I can make an impact on more people. I think if you're listening to this, you're convinced in the power of it, the potential of it, but we still hesitate maybe because of imposter syndrome. And sometimes it's just flat out scary to get on camera and punch fear in the face and press record. What is your advice for building your confidence and for those that just hesitate to get on camera and actually start creating content? Don't post, create. Don't post, create. Start practicing and get a good feeling. It's the same thing as selling, right? I tell people all the time, you know the difference between the guy that gets a, the higher price for the exact same item than someone else? It's his comfort level of articulating a quantitative value to exceed what he's asking for. Perceived value is all in your comfort level of explaining that value. And so if you have imposter syndrome, if you're afraid of getting on and nobody's there, then practice every day creating content. The iPhone, you know, when I started and you started content, 
the iPhone does more than the whole crew that we used to set up with, you know, 4K cameras or red cameras. There's a red phone right now that I used, right? I'm like, holy moly, like a red phone. But more importantly, go ahead. That's why people do 10 episodes. Start practicing because when you feel comfortable about your content by practicing, look, when I started playing golf, I did not want to be in a tournament in front of, you know, those programs that they were inviting me to thousands of people watching me play golf because I sucked. Why did I suck? Cause I hadn't done it before. So I think the best thing you can do if you're afraid of, and people are afraid of two things being laughed at, scoffed at and made fun of, or nobody showing up. Both are healed by you practicing. Because if you get to learn to love how to do content, whatever format or whatever you like, however you do it, then when you go and post it and no one's there, eventually two people will be there. Because 10% of the people are gonna love you no matter what. Dr. Pimple Popper has more subscribers than you. And who would have thought that pimple popping, or how about the little kid that opens toys? Do you think that's like super valuable? No but they follow and subscribe to the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential, and they use the aggregation, the compounding and acceleration of building an audience of people, 10% of them that love it automatically, and then they build and created and captured the 80% that they can love it, and they ignore the 10% that say, this is the stupidest thing ever, I hate pimples being popped. Sometimes more people that hate you drive the people to love you, to engage with you more because they wanna protect and promote you because they agree with you and they can't believe, you know. I mean, you know, there's sites out there that are just about hate. I like them. I hope they post more about Dave Meltzer because more people defend me and feel better about me and engage heavier into me. Um, what is your advice as a top 100 business coach for content creators? What's interesting about our community, and this is kind of my story as well, is a lot of us are accidental entrepreneurs. We didn't start out to start a small business, although being a content creator and starting a YouTube channel becomes a small business. Or a big business. Or a big business. Yeah. Or a media company. Yeah. And um, we didn't necessarily start out thinking about how's this thing going to scale or or we certainly are probably lacking skills like leadership or team building or so many different things. It's kind of the whole e-myth um, quandary where we just are creating content and figuring out how to make a little side income, but it is just turned into this whole creator economy, which is insane how much money is in the system and how much opportunity it, there is. So as a top 100 business coach, what is your advice for those that are now trying to learn business skills or advice that you'd recommend essentially startups, content creator startups that are experiencing some success now and money's coming in, but now they're overwhelmed with the growth or the management or the business management and they have a whole skill gap because their main thing was just creating content and monetizing it. Yeah, there's a huge gap there. And number one, don't buy into the bullshit of top 100 anything or top 10 anything. I can buy those lists. And I was honored by Marshall Goldsmith who said I'm a top 100 business coach. I'm a very good business coach, but I don't align with everyone in business and not everybody can use me and I have a waiting list for those that can and those that can't. So make sure that you trust everyone, but vet the crap out of them, even if they have a top 10 moniker. I just wanna put that out there. As far as business skill, um, look, it's the same thing. You know, I have so many athletes, celebrities, entertainers that I, and military people that I transition into business, which is the same as a content creator. And I always say, hey, you know, you're the greatest football player. Some of them live here that I coach. You're the greatest football player that ever stepped on the field. 
and now you think they're going to do business without a coach, but yet since you were five and you were really good naturally at football, that since you were five, you, you have had a coach. Now you're going to get into business, which you may not be more naturally as talented at, and you don't need a coach all of a sudden. So I think the best thing to do is get advisors and coaches. And the nice thing about YouTube, not to toot your horn too much, is if you're starting out and you can't afford a coach like a professional football player, entertainer for business, you can't afford a consultant or an advisor, YouTube's great, yeah. right? Find someone who sits in the situation and that advice is there. And I think that's what I try to provide with my content. You do the same, this interview is doing the same thing. You, you know, be humble, say, I don't know what I don't know and go ahead and find someone either on YouTube or pay them depending on your timing and risk tolerance and you will get there. It, you know, look, it's still true. You can get the same education with a library card. I know people don't know what libraries are, but it's very true. With a library card, you get the same education as someone that goes to Harvard Business School. Dropping bombs. Uh, David, what are you working on? What can people do to follow you, find you, and what do you want to promote to uh, even add more value to our community? I really appreciate that. And to add value to the community, what I'd like to do is I'd like to send anyone in your community my book for free. I'll pay for the book. I'll pay for shipping. It's not one of those BS, you know, get my book 10 bucks for shipping. Meanwhile, the book's five bucks. Look, I have a bestsellers. I will pay for the book and shipping and sign it. If you wanted to value it, I'll sign it for you too. But I will offer your entire community. And so please, you know, go to my YouTube, David Meltzer, or email me directly, David at D Meltzer, put in your notes. Um, and so that's what I offer the community. I also do free Friday trainings for over 23 years. The replays are on YouTube as well. Uh, so, but most importantly, just reach out and ask for help. I can either help you or I know somebody that can help you. David at dmeltzer.com or David Meltzer on YouTube and other platform. If you forget it, just remember my name, Google me. I am blessed to be well known. So David Meltzer, but my main mission is to empower over a billion people to be happy. And you're not going to be able to do something by yourself. Community means opportunity. The bigger your community, the bigger the opportunity. So remember my three favorite words, ask for help.